Water Values Podcast is sponsored by the following market-leading companies and organizations by Woodard & Curran, high-quality consulting engineering, science, and operations services. By Intera, innovation and stewardship for a sustainable tomorrow. By Xylem, let's solve water. By Black & Veatch, building a world of difference. By the American Water Works Association, dedicated to the world's most important resource. And by Can Do, providing actionable insights from utility wastewater data to improve environmental and public health. This is session 199. Welcome to the Water Values Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to water utilities, resources, treatment, reuse, and all things water. Now, here's your host, Dave McGimsey. Hello and welcome to another session of the Water Values Podcast. As my daughter Sarah said, my name is Dave McGimsey and thank you so much for joining me. We have another great guest for you today, Allison Adams, who helped Tampa Bay Water pioneer its digital transformation more than 20 years ago, joins us and provides an insightful interview. Allison is now the Chief Technology Officer for Intera and she's terrific. You'll really enjoy this interview. And we also have Reese Tisdale back for another Bluefield on Tap. We'll get to that in just a moment. But before we get to the interview with Allison and before we get to the Bluefield on Tap segment, we begin with a hearty thank you to our sponsors. Again, those sponsors are Woodard & Curran, Intera, Xylem, Black & Veatch, the American Water Works Association, and Can Do. And I'd like for you to do me a favor, if you would, please. If you work for or with any of these sponsors, please, please, please thank your boss or thank your contact at that sponsor firm and let them know that you appreciate their leadership in the industry through the sponsorship. That simple note of thanks will go a long way, believe me. And as long as you're letting the sponsors know you appreciate their support of water industry education and thought leadership, why not leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, CastBox, or whatever other podcast directory you're accessing the podcast on. It'd be greatly appreciated, and of course, will help others find out about the podcast. Well, before we head on to the great interview with Allison, let's get to our Bluefield on Tap segment with Reese Tisdale of Bluefield Research. Take it away, guys. Well, Reese, welcome back for another Bluefield on Tap. How you doing? Pretty good, Dave. How about yourself? Good. It's good to be back on schedule. I know we, we missed out last last month because uh, our schedules just didn't align. Let's get into the water stuff. What are we talking about this week? What's on your mind? So I was talking with my team earlier this week and, you know, throwing around ideas because obviously they knew uh, we had a call coming up. And uh, one of the things that's been pretty busy is we put out a couple of quarterly reports uh, on M&A. M&A as a whole across global markets but then also we put out a quarterly report or insight on private water utility acquisitions, which we, as you know, we track on an ongoing basis. And I'd say been a pretty busy, robust market so far this year. What do you think is driving that? Uh, well, I think it's a combination of things. I think uh, to start out with, there has been some pent up, uh, you know, applications and approvals of taking some time to work through the system. Uh, so I'd say that's one. I would say, two, there's a lot of money out there. There's a lot of private equity money out there. And uh, I would say three, specific to the investor in utilities or private water space, the there are a couple small players that have kind of stepped up their game and have been really active uh, in acquiring small systems. So 
maybe in total numbers, uh, population served or customer base, it's not huge, but number wise of acquisitions has been pretty high. Yeah. So can you talk about those numbers? I mean, what are we looking at? Yeah. So, I mean, to put in perspective, just looking at the first half of the year, we've seen for private uh, utilities, we've seen 104 deals approved this year. Now, keep in mind on an annual basis since 2015, we've averaged about 130 or so deals in any given full year. So I'd say while we're about to start going through Q3 numbers, uh, as we do in a couple of weeks, the it looks like we may outpace the total, you know, average of the last couple of years by the end of Q3. Yeah. And if, if you just take an average of the, the past years, let's say it's 133, or if you say 130 per year is the average, that's about what, about 33 per quarter. Yeah. Uh, add that and we're up almost, uh, not quite 10% if, if trends continue, right? Yeah. So the numbers of our, are going to be up. Um, 2020 was pretty strong as well. And, you know, behind all of this, there are also another 120 deals that we have, at least in our data set of deals that are pending approval that have been out there, some as far back as 2019 that ultimately may not go through. But we've just been, we've seen some wide swaths of deals through by companies such as Central States Water, who's been pretty active. Oh, so that was my next question is, is who who is active in this area? And is there any geographic uh, you know, or is one geography more seeing more deals than others? So exactly. So central states is active there in the South. They're actually out of Missouri, but over the past, I'd say three years, uh, maybe four, they've expanded into 12 or 13 states. Uh, more recently they have gone into Florida, which is new market entry, um, which is interesting, but I think more broadly speaking among all players, it looks like Texas is the market to be in these days. There are a lot of small systems. It's Texas is open for business. So, um, they're, uh, they, they're okay with privatization. They, the deals seem to go pretty quickly there as well. So you've got, you know, the Americans of the world, but you've also got, um, you've got, you know, the large players, but you've got central states, you've got, uh, NW Natural is a player there. You've got Undine. These are all uh, acquiring companies. Yeah. And you said the deals are, there's a lot of smaller deals out there, right? Are there any kind of bigger marquee deals that we ought to be paying attention to? There haven't really been. I think Marion Water was one recently that comes to mind. I think that was an American deal. There haven't been that many big deals. There have been some small and medium ones, but you know, look, I don't want to overstate this. So I'll give you the the number that'll, you know, in Q2 for this year, uh, there were 55 deals that took place. And the total deal, can, total customer served was only 12,000 people oh, wow. total or customers. So these are small deals, right? Yeah. But I think that's where a lot of the market activity is. That's where that's what's so impressive, quite honestly, about central states. They've really gone for that small. I mean, some of these deals they're acquiring for a dollar, right? They're yeah. just taking the assets off people's hands and then they're upgrading them and consolidating them when they can. But I think the key is that that's where a lot of the market activity is. They can move fast. They're also back by private equity, so they're looking for growth. So they've accumulated over the past three to four years about 120,000 customers. Stepping back, I mean, having looked at this for a number of years now, 
in speaking to the the big fish in the pond, the Americans and the aquas of the world, they used to say like, hey, if, you know, they're already in it, you know, so they can roll up these smaller systems. And it's hard, right, to, you know, to justify a big uh, investment to acquire a small system. So they said, if you need, if you want to get into this business, you just got to dive in head first and go for it. And that's really what some of these smaller players have done. I think they've realized is that when you look at the, the utility space as an outsider, you see the big deals and you sort of get big eyes, but it's so hard to do. And it's also hard to just step in and say, oh, I can do this and convince whether it be the community, the city council or whomever that you can do it without any or limited experience. Yeah, that, that that's right. And and I, I am wondering if if these uh, these big players are starting to figure out how to how to make find economies of scale in the smaller systems, because that, that's, you know, if they're geographically distant or, you know, if, if there's just they found a better way to fold them into the platform, if that's uh, if they're just finding better ways to find the economies of scale to, to fold them in. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that's interesting also is there have been there are a couple companies, and I believe it's Undine, if if I recall correctly. And then you know, I know that when Pacolet owned uh, owned its systems, they sold them off to Southwest Water. Um, I know in the case of Undine. They've partnered with, um, I believe, H two Innovation. So when they're rolling up, H two Innovation does the O and M. So they're uh, they're doing other things in places like Texas and the South, where they can sort of get some economies. And they do the O and M where South or Undine is doing the acquisitions. Got it. So it's interesting to see how that plays out because you're exactly right, particularly if they're spread out. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, Reese, always great to hear your insights. Uh, thanks so much for your time, and we'll catch up with you soon, man. All right, Dave, take it easy. We'll see you. Take care. Bye. As always, great information from Bluefield Research. Thanks so much, Reese. Always great having you on. Uh, Now it's time to move on to our featured guest, Allison Adams. Let's get that water flowing. Well, Allison, welcome to the Water Values Podcast. Great to have you on. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful, David, and thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. I'm really looking forward to this. I think this will give us some good practical knowledge about the subject we're about to speak about. But before we jump into that, uh, can you tell us a little about your background and how you got interested in water? Well, I got interested in water primarily because I grew up on a farm and just really understood the value of water and the environment. And from there, I just decided that I would want to spend my professional career working in water resources. Now, I didn't really know exactly where that would take me, um, but And so I started working for a regulatory agency in the state of Florida uh, and, and managing water resources. Uh, and then from there, I decided that instead of working for a government agency where we primarily did a lot of planning, I really wanted to have something more meaningful to my work. And so then I started working for a water utility and the importance there of you actually had a mission of developing water supply, delivering high quality drinking water to customers every day. And it, it really helped put perspective uh, into the work that I enjoyed uh, doing with uh, water resources. And so that's how I, I got involved in it. And uh, also, I wanted to understand more about the whole decision making process of water managers and the environment and all of the components that go in uh, into making good solid water resource management decisions. Great. That's that I, I love the background there. What um, what kind of farm did you grow up on? 
Well, it started off with a, a family farm. We did everything from raising hogs and cattle. Uh, the primary uh, cash crop was uh, shade tobacco, which in uh, northwest uh, Florida was a very specialty crop. Mm -hmm. uh, it started around the turn of the century and in the 50s and 60s when my dad had the farm, that was primarily uh, the cash crop. But it grew from there uh, into a vegetable uh, producing farm as well as livestock. Oh, nice. Very good. Well, you said you 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 uh, spent some time at a government agency and then went off to a water utility. What what utility? What like what, are we talking a small utility, big utility? I started working for a really large uh, water supply utility in West Central Florida uh, by the name of Tampa Bay Water. It's a wholesale water uh, supply utility that uh, I'll get a little bit more into that in, in the case study in a, in a minute. Uh, but it's had a very uh, transformation process uh, primarily due to a regulatory requirement where it had to reduce its groundwater pumpage because of environmental impacts to lakes and rivers and wetlands in the area. And from there, it had to develop other water supply sources. And so it's a very interesting story of how it had to transform its water supply sources from groundwater to surface water and building the country's first desalinization plant. Yeah, so that's fascinating. Could you give us a little some context on uh, what what brought about? So it sounds like a, an environmental problem was really the 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 need for the digital transformation that Tampa Bay Water went through. Is that did did I understand that right? Yes, that's correct. So the uh, water utility was actually originally formed in the mid seventies, and from for about three four decades all of the water supply in this region. And so this region today feeds about 3 million people. Of course, that's grown over the three decades from about a million up to 3 million. But groundwater was the primary source of drinking water for this region of Florida. Um, and also in, in this region of Florida, the primary producing aquifer, the Florida aquifer system, is very well connected to the surface system through the lakes and rivers and wetlands. And so the groundwater extraction was beginning to cause drawdowns that were very visible. Uh, uh, wetlands were drying up, lake levels were going down. So it was a very visual impact to the local citizens that lived in this vicinity. Um, and it caused a lot of uh, a lot of problems. I mean, people didn't like to see their wetlands uh, destroyed and the, and the lakes dry up. And so uh, through a period of litigation, we went through in the mid 90s, uh, a lot of uh, lawsuits uh, because the water utility uh, had been permitted, had been allowed to do this groundwater extraction, but the rules changed. And so kind of the, the rules of the game changed for the water utility, and now it became responsible for uh, impacts that it actually had been allowed to create. Um, and the result of that was uh, the local uh, politicians got involved and the state got involved and said, hey, you guys need to take, you know, uh, need to manage your own future. You need to plot your own course. If you don't, the state will come in here and we'll do it for you. And that will probably not be the best solution for anybody. So as a result of the litigation, uh, it was decided to reshape the water utility and create a true water utility, uh, requiring it to actually cut back its groundwater pumpage by 50% 
and then build the alternative water supply sources, which for this area, uh, we do have a couple of rivers. They're not the big massive rivers that you see in the Midwest and the West. We don't have a lot of land space for reservoirs, but we did build an off-stream reservoir, uh, tap into two rivers uh, in the region, and build the country's first uh, public uh, desalinization plant off of Tampa Bay. Yeah, that, that, that sounds fascinating. No, so, how, how, I'm sorry, go ahead. It sounded like you were going to say something else. So I was just going to say those, those driving factors of, of causing the utility to change from um, a groundwater sourced utility system to now this very diverse water supply sources, uh, an expansion of its uh, delivery system, creating a very uh, diverse, uh, robust delivery system. This led to some management challenges uh, of the organization uh, where we had to now it, we had to better plan for how we were going to use these resources uh, because each one of these resources cost a different amount of money to treat and deliver to the customers. And so there was there was this need now to balance the economics of running a desal plant, for example, as compared to pumping groundwater. But also you need to improve the environmental system. So we had to figure out a way to better manage our data and our information and better decision making in order to operate uh, what has turned out to be a very diverse and robust water supply delivery system. Yeah. So uh, when when did they start? When did Tampa Bay Water start its its digital transformation? So that's a really good question. The digital <laughs> transformation started about two decades ago. Um, in 2001, um, I had just finished my PhD uh, in water resources planning and management at Colorado State University and had spent quite a bit of time on this concept of building decision support systems where uh, essentially you, you build systems where you take data and really turn it into actionable information. And a lot of this is done through data analytics, through various tools that help you summarize the information and put it in a, a form and a, and a framework that decision makers who, who are not typically very technically trained, uh, but allows them to take a look at the information and be able to make more informed decisions from it. So it was this concept of building a decision support system because Tampa Bay Water had moved into a very dynamic uh, robust water supply delivery system that really required this more uh, active engagement in uh, decision analysis and, and in uh, decision making. So those were some of the, the drivers behind why Tampa Bay Water embarked on this, on this journey. And I'll have to say this is very much a journey because uh, Tampa Bay Water started this uh, two decades ago and is still uh, in the process of, of continuing along this pathway. So you know, anytime you, you embark on, on digital transformation uh, and there are some, uh, some fairly established steps that you need to go through, but it is still very much a journey for, it, for any utility or city or community that wants to do this. Yeah, I, I want to get to those steps in just a moment. But what, what strikes me is that Tampa Bay Water started this two decades ago. And uh, that, that just seems to me that they are calling them an early adopter isn't even really fair to them because they are, it, it, it just doesn't seem like, like there were many utilities doing that at all anymore. Uh, at, you know, 20 uh, years ago. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Go ahead. How, how, how did that decision how did, how start did I, come about? 
Well, <laughs> I'd have to say that uh, decisions like this usually start with someone who has kind of a, a, a notion or some either through education or through experience, just birth of an idea that, that you need to do this kind of different way of thinking. And I, I personally brought that to Tampa Bay Water uh, because of, of, of my educational experiences that I had gone through. But it also took a very strong leadership uh, at the organization to recognize the value of what I was trying to bring to the organization. So this, this commitment from executive level staff is very, very important to buy into the need to, to really transform the organization because digital transformation will lead to organizational changes that you have to figure out how to manage and take time to, to implement. But that executive support um, and just kind of believing that the, the new concept was a better way of doing business was, was how we got started on the process. Yeah, that, 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 terrific, terrific background on that. Now, let's get on to the steps that uh, the that Tampa Bay Water took in order to embark on this digital transformation. Like, what do you what what can you lay those out, please? Sure. So, in, in the process of doing this at Tampa Bay Water, we actually came up with four. Uh, pretty much defined steps. We call it our, our roadmap to action. And, and the first thing, as I just mentioned before, is agency commitment. So you have to have that strong voice at, at the top of the organization, the leadership of the organization that will commit to transforming the organization going forward. Because many times this, this will involve, um, you know, investment into the organization, requires money and time uh, to get these systems uh, up and going. So uh, we did this through what we call a team chartering process. We brought the key leadership into the organization together. We talked about what this would mean, this transformation would mean to the organization. And we got commitment from everybody that says, yes, we're going to buy into doing this and we're going to, uh, we're going to commit the resources and the t uh, staff time in order to get this done. Then the next thing you have to do is what I call baselining. So you need to understand what you have today. And, and this is like planning for anything, planning for a road trip. You know, you need to know what you have uh, and understand how, how you use it. Is this, you know, how well is the system documented? Uh, and, and then from there, you can now build upon the foundation of what you know today and move into the future. So once you go through this baselining process, and a lot of this for water utilities is really understanding what, where your data lies, who has it, what type of data you, you have coming into your system, what is the data used for, how is that data used to make um, you know, decisions, what kind of analytical tools have you been using, and those are the types of things that uh, that you need to assemble an understanding of when when this baselining process. Then we go about defining the future. So that is where you kind of look forward and go, well, what is it that we're that we need to be able to do better into the future? And and for Tampa Bay Water, this had a lot to do with this huge transformation of going from a single source agency into this multiple sources with these multiple treatment plants and how actually were we going to be able to operate this system and manage this system on a day-to-day -day basis. So a real focused driving need and into the future of, well, we just, we now we have this very uh, interesting diverse system. We need to figure out, you know, how to operate it. So, and that was the defining the future uh, plan. 
And then once you kind of get your future laid out, you actually have to build a plan because there's going to be a, a, a lot of moving parts in this. So you need to build a plan for how you're going to implement the various phases uh, to uh, be able to achieve your transformation process. So those are the kind of the four steps in general. Um, so kind of uh, specifically, going all the way back to 2001, we got the senior management and the key staff together at Tampa Bay Water, and we kind of laid out why it was important to do this, and we got buy-in from everybody uh, to begin working on it. Then the baselining process is probably what took the agency the longest, but, but one of the uh, most beneficial outcomes of this baselining process was that it required people in different areas of the organization to actually begin talking to each other and really understanding what they do instead of the operators just, you know, sitting in their console and, and moving the water through the system. They actually began talking to the planners and the engineers and the guys who did the maintenance out in the field. And, and everybody really began to, to develop a better appreciation for the entire inner workings of the utility and how water is actually uh, treated and delivered to the customers. And so that's a that's a really big benefit of, of going through this transformation process. Uh, we had we, we discovered some uh, very uh, specific weaknesses in the system, uh, such that the data that the agency was bringing in, many of these SCADA systems bring in tons of information that you're not quite sure you know what to do with it. And we found that it was being kind of squirreled away on people's individual computers and spreadsheets and no one had access to it or you, you know, kind of had to know the secret password in order to get access to this information. And so it, it just really revealed a, a lot of shortcomings and how we actually gathered information and whether that information was actually usable in the system. Yeah. Uh, then we went through this process of defining the future, and, and the, the future for Tampa Bay Water was really shaped around this concept of building a, a decision support system, a system that we would uh, create uh, at the time, which referred to as an enterprise database system, so that all the data would come into a common platform in the organization. Back uh, 20 years ago, that was uh, a, a really revolutionary concept to deploy. Uh, today, it's uh, most people are, are moving toward that area to that uh, that position a lot easier. Uh, there's a lot more software available to you. It, kind of the the biggest one of the biggest challenges for Tampa Bay Water 20 years ago is that we were pretty much on the bleeding edge of, of how you go about doing this. And there wasn't a lot of salt software available for companies to uh, deploy. We had to uh, develop and, and build a lot of this functionality ourselves uh, from the very beginning. But I'm happy to say that today, the enterprise database system, 20 years later, is still very active, very functioning, uh, and still serves the same purpose that it was originally created for. So a lot of good planning went into doing that, and, it, and it's paid off at the end of the day. But in building this decision support system outside of the database system, you, you want to kind of map out, create a, a picture, if you will, of how data flows through your organization and what data is used to make what kinds of decisions. And, you, and oftentimes you kind of have these aha moments of a piece of data may be used in many, many different areas to make uh, different types of decisions. And you, and you figure out how that information needs to flow through the organization. Um, and it's a very, very interesting process. Yeah. Then we actually built... Uh, a decision support system framework to 
specifically establish what kinds of decisions that we wanted to, to do, have the decision support system uh, do. And one of the, the fundamental tools of the agency is this optimized regional operations plan, which would be developed to uh, actually manage the production of the entire groundwater system. And so all of the information that would go into creating that system uh, was determined, uh, and that became kind of the, the focal point for, for the building of this decision support system. Yeah, so the, the, it sounds very uh, complex, the way you, all the steps you went through. Um, you know, I, I really like the idea of the digital transformation as a journey. Um, and when it, when typically when success is achieved, right, it's not just a straight line or a, a, a lineup. There's lots of dips and turns and sometimes it goes backwards a little bit and then comes, comes back up. What are some of the things that, that were bumps in the road on the digital transformation on, on Tampa Bay waters journey? Well, that, you know, that's a very good question because digital trans, I mean, one of the things that you have to appreciate about this process is that it do, it does take time and there is a lot of learning that goes on inside of an organization. Um, you know, the, the, the need to communicate internally cannot be overstated. The, the fact that, that people have different ideas, there's a lot of concern about staff uh, that they will lose their jobs, that, you know, there's a lot of concern that um, when technology comes in or you begin to deploy technology, that uh, staff goes, oh, now I'm going to lose my job. And so to manage the expectation that technology is not going to steal your job, technology is going to allow you to grow and do more exciting things with the job that you already have is a really fundamental uh, lesson that we learned in this process of because of the organizational change that digital transformation creates and the fact that you have you'll have a lot of staff that that are very resistant to this type of change you won't win them all over you kind of need to understand that we understood that going through the process but you'll win over a, a large majority of them but you have to be kind of prepared for the organizational upsets and upheavals that it will cause take time develop some quick wins so uh, you know, building the enterprise database system was uh, it wasn't necessarily a quick win, but it was a very, very important win. And it showed people how the system could actually work better for them. And so things that you can do along the way that give staff and, and staff kind of all the way up and down through organization. You can't just uh, another lesson learned is it's not just about executive staff. Uh, being happy, but it's really about you know all the way down to the to the lower levels of the staff, the the guys and the gals that work out in the field. They they have to appreciate a quick win and see the actual benefits and improvements and their work environment and what they do every day. Um, that's really what will keep this keep the ball rolling and will allow an organization to continue marching through the journey of digital transformation. Yeah. Yeah. So how did the, how did the digital transformation actually solve the environmental problem you mentioned earlier, you know, with the source water issues? Well, so Tampa Bay water was, uh, was required uh, 20 years later to demonstrate that the way that it was operating the well fields, reducing the pumpage actually 
allowed these wetlands and lake systems to recover. The agency has just gone through this 20-year review uh, to get the system re-permitted by the local regulatory agency, and it's demonstrated to the satisfaction of everyone that environmental recovery has happened. And with, without this, uh, this, this decision support system, without these analytical tools uh, being available to operate this, this very massive, diverse water supply system, we would not have been able to actually pump water and achieve the environmental recovery that the region has achieved. So definitely success is uh, in the proof at the end of the day that uh, the environmental system has recovered. Yeah, that is that is the best news of all, right? That, that the digital transformation assisted the utility with environmental compliance and reporting and uh, that that's just that's a huge win because those you know like you say if if you don't have the data to prove it you're you're kind of in in trouble there the system that Tampa Bay water implemented was really for a sor- a source water uh issue to help achieve a certain environmental result has has Tampa Bay water been able to use that not just kind of like for a, a water source issue, water source issues but what about like water distribution the decision support system concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Oh yes, yes. So the from from this initial building of a decision support system, the agency has has added on to this entire uh, digital transformation through an asset management program that links into the same database. Uh, a project management capital uh, capital planning program that links into this same database. And so from this centralized database system, adding on all of these other tools that are very important to a utility to help it manage not only its uh, w- water assets, but also just the physical assets and the pumping and the piping, uh, and also assist in its capital planning. So it, it, it continues to grow. That's why I indicate that it's it's a journey uh, as you kind of understand the benefits and you get one portion of it working correctly or working well, then it gives you an opportunity to expand and, and continue growing. Awesome. So could you summarize kind of if, if, if you were talking to someone who is a utility that was thinking about adopting uh, or, or undertaking a digital transformation, what, what would you are the key takeaways that you would talk with this person about or talk with this utility about about why a digital transformation ought to be undertaken? Well, uh, some of the key takeaways are in this day and age, uh, all utilities are faced with um, the requirement to increase its efficiency and effectiveness uh, in a time of uh, declining uh, access to revenues and and capital planning as our water demands continue to, to decline. And this move toward improved uh, implementation of technology just moves your organization in a position to uh, make better, smarter, more effective decisions uh, to meet the challenges uh, that we have in the world today. Uh, With climate change creating uh, tremendous swings in water availability and its impacts on water quantity and water quality as we see across the U.S. and across the globe, the increasing challenges for utilities to keep up with the the increased risks that are that they are being faced with, uh, there's no better way to do it than to go through this digital transformation process. But recognizing 
it takes commitment at the top, uh, not only from a, a, a financial perspective, but also from a staff uh, perspective. And you have to manage people's expectations and you need to manage the results or the effects that these changes will have on your organization. Awesome. Well, Allison, you have been absolutely terrific. Uh, I have really enjoyed um, our time together. I mean, what the, the, the takeaways that you kind of mentioned there, it sounds like uh, your leave behind message, but I'll, I will go ahead and ask you if you had a leave behind message, what would it be? Would it be the same thing or would you, would you want to modify that at all? It's, it's pretty much the same thing. I mean, I, I, I feel that, uh, that digital transformation is definitely the way of the future. And, uh, and it's, and it's, it's a place where all utilities, where utilities uh, need to be headed. Terrific. Well, Allison, for those people who want to find out more about you and more about Intera, where you work now, uh, and more about Tampa Bay Water, where can they go to get that information? Well, Intera has a website, so it's www.intera.com. Uh, and on uh, that website, you can find uh, links to uh, our digital transformation and water uh, utility resiliency webpage, uh, where there's a, a, I've developed a white paper. And, and on that website, there's an, a white paper that describes uh, this digital transformation process and describes the Tampa Bay water case story uh, in, in great detail. Uh, if you're interested in more information about Tampa Bay water, they have also a website, www.tampabaywater.org. Uh, and through there, you can find uh, more specific information about their journey. Terrific. Well, Allison, thank you so much. You've been absolutely wonderful. It's been great speaking with you and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, David. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, what a terrific interview by Allison. Genuinely, genuinely nice person. And she's so talented, experienced, and knowledgeable about moving a utility through the digital transformation. It was just a, a, a joy speaking with her. You know, someone who, I, I think I said at the top of the show, she really pioneered the digital transformation for Tampa Bay Water before moving on recently to the private sector. Uh, taking the, the She's now the chief technology officer at Antera. But just, I, I, I thought her insights into how the organization needs to address digital transformation. We're just really, really good. Well, we'd love to know what you thought about this interview. Please check out the show notes and the page uh, info for links on this episode. Uh, just Google the Water Values Podcast. Click the first link that comes up. It's our landing page on Bluefield Research. Again, Bluefield Research and the Water Values LLC are not affiliated entities. We just kind of have a joint marketing arrangement. And in that, as part of that joint marketing arrangement, Bluefield Research is kind enough to provide a home on the web for the podcast. You can also tweet about the podcast using the hashtag water values and tweet at me using my handle at DTM1993. You can email me at david.mcgimsey at dentons.com and you can sign up for the water values newsletter at that landing page. Again, just Google the water values podcast, click the first link that comes up and you can get there very, very easily. Thank you again for tuning in and a huge thank you again to our sponsors. The sponsors of the Water Values Podcast for the 2021 season include Woodard & Curran, Intera, Xylem, Black & Veatch, the American Water Works Association, and Can Do. Terrific sponsors, great companies, great organizations, and this show would not be possible without those great companies and industry leaders stepping forward. So in closing, please remember to keep the core message of the Water Values Podcast in mind as you go about your daily business. Water is our most valuable resource, so please join me by going out into the world and acting like it. 
You've been listening to the Water Values Podcast. Thank you for spending some of your day with my dad and me. Well, thank you for tuning in to the disclaimer. I'm a lawyer licensed in Indiana and Colorado, and nothing in this podcast should be taken as providing legal advice or as establishing an attorney-client relationship with you or with anyone else. Additionally, nothing in this podcast should be considered a solicitation for professional employment. I'm just a lawyer that finds water issues interesting and that believes greater public education is needed about water issues. And that includes enhancing my own education about water issues because no one knows everything about water.